Wretched Radio begins in three, two, one. Every once in a while, we gotta f*** the religious people. There are 720 churches in Charlotte. I'm sure we can find one where you can stuff your face. Shut up. Quit pointing out the problem. Men will be proud, arrogant, abusive. You watch some of today's rock star pastors and you will see every characteristic Paul listed played out in vivid detail on the church stage. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Frio. Wow, Costco Danishes are really crummy. This is Wretched Radio. With church news. Danishes. Let's get to church news, shall we? You say, what does ecclesiology, a conversation about all of the varying expressions of the church around the globe, have to do with Costco Danishes? I say a lot because, first of all, a lot of churches, see, this. some people would argue, some people would argue that evangelical Christianity started to go off the rails when it, it adopted too much of an imminent view of God. He's our buddy. He's our pal. He's our chum. And we can do anything we want to to church. It, it, it started, I think, with a low bibliology that, that the church has just gone wandering away, but perhaps preceding a low bibliology was a low view and understanding of Danishes. You see, in the old church, if you were going to be responsible for the breakfast treats that were brought to the church, you made them. You baked them. You put the recipe together and you made sure that they were delivered uncrumbled and unbroken. Those were the good old days of potlucks where people didn't buy Costco mac and cheese. No, they made mac and cheese with that crumbly topping thing on top. But we wandered away from that, and we decided our potlucks are going to consist of whatever we can find at Costco. That's big, and that's, well, that's everything, actually, including danishes, which I just had. You say, Friel, you mean all of this is about you eating an almond danish? Well, part of it. But I was just down the hall in, in our Gospel Partners Media Studios, and there were danishes from Costco on the counter, which means they're fair game. You can eat them. And I've walked by the almond danishes at Costco a number of times, and I thought, wonder if those are any good. The answer is the middle part is delicious. Uh, the, the outside a little dry, but, but the inside, it's got a fair amount of almond. You see, that's the trick to making anything good that is almondy. You got to have lots of it. Don't be subtle with your almond. If you're making an almond croissant, layer it on there because, well, almond is in the title, deliver on the premise. And as I was eating this little Danish and then walking down the hall to the studio, I looked back and I realized I had dropped a number of crumbs all over the floor. I'll get it. <laughs> well, <laughs> that was my point because I thought to myself, if I just kept walking and, and not looked back, and I were eating a Costco Danish at church, I basically would have left a trail of crumbs because I didn't pick them up because I didn't see them. 
I mean, I did see him and I picked him up. But if I hadn't seen him, I wouldn't have picked him up. Who would have? Somebody. And I wonder if we possibly forget all of the needs of the local church, all of the stuff that has to get done so that you and I can show up on Sunday morning and it happens. And that includes cleaning. That includes sweeping up the crumbs from Sunday's gathering of people who consume Costco danishes that that didn't notice it. They weren't being rude. They just made a mess. Messes have to get cleaned up. The kitchen needs to be cleaned. The the garbage, where the, the plastic that apparently is saving the mother, the plastic that gets thrown into the plastic bag that is apparently saving the mother that gets thrown into the garbage, it doesn't walk itself there. Somebody does it. And then the knife that cut it to put it in parts because nobody gives away a whole Costco Danish. They're too big for that. So that needs to get cleaned up. The sink needs to get cleaned up. You can move down the hall to the bathrooms. They don't clean themselves. Toilet paper rolls don't just appear magically. Somebody does that. My question is, what are you doing for your local church? What are you doing? And you're probably thinking at this moment, if you're even still listening, oh, this is going to be a guilt trip. Might I potentially position this? That was too many Ps. Southern Baptists could have gotten away with that. I'm not so good at the alliteration. A potential positive way of viewing service in the church is the blessing of it. As I look around and I see all of the stuff that's going on and the world and the contentious nature of conversations and the lines that are drawn. I hope you're finding and carving out a safe place in your local church. Don't take the Benedict option. Don't go moving to some rural place. (laughs) The other day, Jimmy, I'm on the phone with a buddy and I said, you know, should Christians just pack it up and move to Montana? And I, wow, who would have thought I misstepped? He went, what's wrong with Montana? Okay. All right. I'm sorry. No, I didn't. I just meant it's beautiful. I'm sorry. It's wonderful. And I, and I love Mount Rushmore, which actually just made him more agitated that I didn't know that Mount Rushmore is located in Wisconsin. I mean, duh. We just want to get away. And the Benedict option is take up all your stuff and just go some safe, someplace safe and carve out a little mini economy so you can get away from the world. We've done that before. Uh, the Catholic Church has done that before. That's why they esteem monasteries to be the supreme place of spirituality. We also did that, by the way. Back in 1925, if you recall, we're almost at the 100-year anniversary, if you can call it that, of the Scopes Monkey Trial where Christians decided we need to build fortresses and and we need to keep the world out. And it, and, it, and it became fundamentalism, where if you didn't align with every jot and tittle, oh, you can't be a part, you can't be on our side of the wall. By the way, I think we're seeing a new fundamentalism these days, but that's subject for another time. We don't separate from the world. We live in it and we're going to stay in it. But if you aren't really into your local church, I mean, you're in it. You're doing something that contributes to the body. You are missing out. You're missing out in two regards. First, you're not using your gift, and that will bum you out. 
God has given you a gift. You have, we'll call it a talent for the edification of the body. And if you are not exercising that muscle, you're going to be a sickly Christian. Using your gift for the edification of the body, plug in somehow, whether it's picking up Costco Danish crumbs, cleaning the bathrooms, teaching Sunday school, helping the people who don't have transportation to get to church on Sunday, using your business excellence, the, the knowledge, I was going to say acumen, I think that's right, but see, now I sound really stupid because I didn't know the smart word. Take your sense of business that you've acquired over the years, plug it into the church. That happened on Sunday, by the way, at our church, at Alpharetta Bible Church. We're, we're, we're talking about the possibility of actually buying a building and a business guy. He built lots of businesses. He came up to me with his cell phone and he said, have you ever thought about a tin shed? Instead of buying a brick building, that's what we do in the South. Everything is red brick. Unless the current trend, you paint everything white, you're going to rue the day. The red brick is just everywhere. He said, why don't you get a tin shed? Because rather than having to refit an old building to make it church friendly, you just design a tin shed, find a few acres of land, and it'll be cheaper than buying the building. And my, I was going down this path and we're looking for the building and we think that we've got a letter of intention that we're going to put on the bill. And this guy comes along and blows it up because guess what? Not only would it smell better because it's going to be new, it's going to be bigger. It is going to be custom fit for us from the get-go. We're going to be able to expand from it and it's cheaper. Now that is music to my ears. And thought about it. This guy did. And if he hadn't spoken up, we might have not made the best decision. You're needed in your local church. You're going to bless people in your local church. And it should be a joy to you. Do, do the thing you love. What is it? Do it. And you're going to enjoy it and you're going to bless people. But then here's the other blessing. You get blessed by it. If you haven't done this, take a look in your Bible for the word reward, treasures, blessing. When we serve one another, when we do things for the Lord, he blesses us. Doesn't have to, but he does. Do you want to be blessed? Use your spiritual gift. Plug in. You're going to bless others. And the Lord is going to bless you. Now, it might not come in the mail, in a sealed envelope with a big check. In fact, I'm pretty certain it's not going to. Unless, of course, you go to Lakewood Church. They probably have something like that going on there. But wow, you're going to just feel good and you're going to feel a part. And you're going to be living in the world and yet in a safe community that loves one another. Question, have you eaten Costco Danishes late? That is the wrong question. Are you plugged into your local church? This is Wretched Radio. So you aren't convinced of the importance of training godly men to rightly divide the word of truth in churches internationally? Well then, we'll let Paul Washer 
convince you. You have to support men who are elder qualified proclaimers of the word. When we support a man coming out of TMAI, we know not only that he is properly trained, but we know that he will still be supervised. Would you please join TMAI, the Master's Academy International, in advancing the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ through expository preaching in local churches around the globe. It's a magnificent ministry and it's so important. Please consider partnering with TMAI at wretched.org slash pastor, wretched.org slash pastor. Thank you for supporting indigenous pastors around the world. Okay, so imagine that you're inside of a maze and every corner that you take, there's another wall, there's another obstacle, and you finally get to the point of frustration where you think you're never going to get out. But then imagine a different scenario. You're still inside that maze, but every corner you take is a guide who has a flashlight and is saying, nope, that's the right way to go. And in that scenario, we welcome you to Transform with Dr. Greg Gifford. And whether you've listened or not, you'll realize really quickly it's not your everyday radio show. Transform with Dr. Greg Gifford takes issues that many, if not all of us, struggle with. And it matches them up to hope and healing through the pages of the Bible. It is genuinely an entirely new perspective. New episodes drop every Saturday morning in your favorite podcast spot or at transformed.org slash podcast transformed with dr greg gifford i believe in a culture of life one of the most impactful moments of my life was when i heard the heartbeat of my oldest daughter uh, in my wife's womb and then saw the sonograms of all three of my kids the sonogram or the the pictures that are taken of babies still a profoundly helpful tool which encourages me to encourage you to consider supporting preborn ministries preborn ministries and their network clinics they are giving away free ultrasounds to women but they do cost something it's 28 dollars an ultrasound and just as you heard governor DeSantis say his view of life was profoundly changed when he saw the baby be in the womb when you see the form and the shape and the fingers and the heartbeat. Would you please consider supporting Preborn? It's a great ministry of life. It has a high anthropology, shares the gospel with women and with the dads. Preborn.org slash wretched. Preborn.org slash wretched. Know your reformers. Martin Luther was a German monk and professor who was plagued with doubt about his salvation. When he finally read the Bible for himself, he rediscovered the doctrine of justification by grace through faith. His bold witness for biblical truth was the spark that ignited the Protestant Reformation. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. And now, wisdom from... An unkept beard. This is Wretched Radio. What happened? <laughs> it's not unkept. To handsome Jimmy Hicks. I'm I'm still handsome. You, you but you but your face. What did you? <laughs> it's wrong with my face. It's covered with hair. Is it what's, is. What's different about your face? I'm growing it out more fully. More fully. Mm-hmm. Your beard cover easily covers half of your head. <laughs> 
you've got one of those, you nap and you wake up and you look like Rip Van Winkle. That's true. But you used to spend, I'm sure, an inordinate amount of time in the bathroom every morning trimming and You'd making sure it's all tight and cool. Right. And you just said, nah, not, not going to do it anymore. Well, no, not. What not, happened? I'm not that I'm not going to do it anymore. I think I got a little bit low. So I need to get it back up to where. So you do spend a lot of time on this. <laughs> no, no, no. Look at what we've learned about handsome Jimmy Hicks, <laughs> who is now going to help us learn something. Because during the break, you said something that I think is packed with wisdom. And it's be, be ready for this wisdom from the beard, because it might just be a little bit of a knife to your heart. Hmm. If you're a Bible teacher, if you do Sunday school teaching, whether it's kids, adult, doesn't make no, never mind. This is this is worth considering. What were, what were you talking about, your old pastor friend? So I have a friend back home uh, or back in Tennessee, a pastor friend of mine who has a policy in his church that if, um, and, and you mentioned this last segment about service and there's different levels of service and teaching being one of them. Um, well, you know what? Okay. The word level, mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know that that's the okay, ideal yeah, word. Different right. expressions of service. Right. Okay. Biblically. The lowest form in man's eyes mm. is esteemed the most in God's eyes. Yeah, different areas of service. Different areas. Okay, That's so different areas of service. Right, and so teaching being one of them, but he has a policy that if you are, you will not teach Sunday school or you won't preach in the pulpit or anything of that uh, magnitude if you do not roll your sleeves up. If you're not vacuuming floors, stacking chairs, if you're not willing to do that type of service, which anyone can do, then you're, you're not going to teach. Because it reveals you've got the wrong motive. Exactly. If you're not willing to get a little bit dirty and do something you're not nuts about, then it, it, it forces us to ask the question, then why am I only happy if I teach? And I think, Jimmy, it's because teaching, whether we like it or not, it is a leadership position. Mm-hmm. Furthermore, it's the center of attention position. You talk, class listens. And it has a spotlight. And the heart that isn't willing to serve in non-spotlight ways probably has the wrong motivation for serving in the spotlight area of church life. Oh, man. Yep, that that's, gets you. That's, that's good stuff right there. Yep. So somebody, I was, ta- okay, I know who I was talking to. This was, this is so great. I was talking to Sean Perrin. I don't know if you know who Dr. Sean Perrin is. Just got his PhD. He's at First Baptist Jacksonville with Heath Lambert. He's the associate pastor. And I I asked him, what are his responsibilities? And he said, well, in general, everything that is taught here, with the exception of the pulpit, goes through me. And I went, whoa, this is a sharp young man. He, He can handle it well. But I was just so, it's like, good that, that there are elders who want to make sure that what gets taught down the hall is accurate and biblical and in alignment with what that church believes. And I went, whoa, every church should have that. So now I'm thinking this is another component. If you're in the position of determining what's being taught and who's teaching, observe that person. Do they ever do anything that is not spotlighty? I don't know that I'd make a law about that, Jimmy, but I got to tell you, hmm. um, I think it might be it might be a filter. It might be a consideration. Not like the coffee cup cleaning. Remember that that thing? The oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. If, if, if you go to if you go to a, this place to apply for a job, hmm. 
They bring you to the kitchen and ask you what you want to drink, coffee, tea, whatever. And then when you go to the person who's hiring for the interview, HR, whatever, you bring your cup of coffee. If you leave your cup of coffee and don't at least volunteer to bring it back to the kitchen, you're not hired. It's like the Henry Ford story goes. He would take executives that he was considering out to lunch, considering for employment. And if they salted their food before they put a fork in their mouth, he wouldn't hire them. I don't think that I'd want to go that far. Well, how do you know it needs salt? But I do. Be- <laughs> but I do believe, Jimmy, that principle is pretty good. Yeah. So if you're a teacher, ask yourself the question, do you do anything that is not in the spotlight? Ow, that might sting a little bit. Let's get back to church news, keeping with our food theme. If you recall, Costco almond danishes was the theme. Let's talk coffee, shall we? I was surprised a number of years ago, we did a YouTube video. I think the title of it was something like drinking coffee in the sanctuary is a big deal. Wow. Wow. Did that step on toes? Hey, don't become legalists. You know, we can bring coffee into the sanctuary and just sip it. Besides, even if we spill it, we'll clean it up. Uh, to me, the, the cleanliness thing is secondary on this subject. The primary issue is what are we doing? What is this Sunday morning? Uh, and, and, and I got to tell you, I think we've lost track of just what it is exactly that we get to participate in on Sunday morning. You can't spend a better hour of your week. This is the, this is the best thing you can do all week. Bring your family to church. It's the best thing for you. It, it, it will bless you. It'll bless your family. It'll keep you on track. It'll bring you together. It will get your week started correctly. You get to exercise your spiritual gifts. You get to be blessed by others. You help them. They help you. It's a beautiful thing, the local church. And when we gather on Sunday morning, whoa, whoa. And that's why on Sunday morning, Alpharetta Bible Church, I'm just, I'm digging it so much. People come and we're chatting and we're having a great time and the coffee's flowing in the foyer and we're chatting about things and what's going on in your life. But when worship stops, the chit-chat is over and the yuck-yucks are done. And and I, I don't know that I'm quite as far as Martin Lloyd-Jones when it comes to how much sobriety we we part we we portray on Sunday morning, but I'm getting close. Martin Lloyd Jones, he didn't even think that the pastor should say good morning. Now I, I get that. I actually get that. We're not here to have a conversation. We're here to worship the Lord. Oh, and I gotta I gotta do a shout out. Oh, I think <sighs> Have you ever been to a church service or to a church where the liturgy, meaning all of the stuff besides the sermon, is like, oh, this is so good. Where, where the prayers aren't so, um, Lord, you're like, wow, we are just so, mm, where the prayers are thoughtful and biblical and probing and exalting. 
and the and everything makes sense and all the liturgy goes together and the reading that that kind of hey that was buried in the sermon i heard all of these things being connected whoa and you were able to immerse yourself cognitively into considering the things of god which stirred you jason man this dude is just knocking it out of the park he's leading the liturgy at our church I can tell he puts time into it. It is so thoughtful. If you happen to be involved in liturgy at church, you might want to examine how well you're doing and how casual it is. And it's not that we're not warm and friendly, but we're not there to chat and put on a show. We're we're just all tools to worship God, to exalt Him, to sing the music that pleases Him. That was a that was kind of a worship music joke. Mm, I, I got it. H I M and H Y M and I did right there. That's what we're doing on Sunday morning. And so when I wrote the article about let's leave the coffee behind, my concern wasn't cleanliness. My concern was reverence, and that we realize what we're doing there. And it's coffee time is done. I am not a casual participant or a spectator. Well, you guys are maybe, this song doesn't interest me very much. (sighs) Need that oral distraction because I can't focus on this. Focus. Plug in. Remember what you are doing. You can't do any, you're thinking about the football game. It was a pretty good football game over the weekend. Yeah, a couple of them, yeah. I saw the last 50 seconds of it, which is about my max, (laughs) which takes about 12 minutes. By the way, it does, yeah. 34 31 with San Francisco and the Detroit Tigers. That was Lions. Whatever. <laughs> uh, it was a good football game. Nothing close to what we do on Sunday morning. We should have that kind of expectation and anticipation when it comes to Sunday morning. And might I suggest that your kids see that? Because we're, we're losing our kids. I just read, by the way, statistically, 72% of all evangelicals claim that they became saved when they were a kid. And let your kid see your anticipation. We're go- it's not we have to go to, get in the van, we're going to church. We get to go to church. And we're not going to be sipping coffee during the service. And there are five ways that we can eliminate that. Next on Wretched Radio. It is now time for a Wretched News Break. Here on Wretched Radio, I am Jimmy Hicks. We start with more shocking stories regarding transgender lunacy and women's rights colliding on campus. A lawsuit from a biological male student may soon make him the first male president of a national college sorority. The individual says he is a woman and has pledged the female Greek organization. But after receiving a bid, national leadership rejected admitting someone born anatomically male, as they should have. And now activists have activated and they are suing, claiming discrimination under the radical gender identity laws in New York. Speaking of male invasion in female spaces, the infamous swimmer on the University of Pennsylvania swim team, Thomas, I can't remember the guy's real name. I'm not going to call him the name he wants to be called. Anyway, he now aims at overturning new restrictions on biological men competing against women in elite sports, because that's the only way he can actually win titles competing against someone that is not as biologically advanced as he is. 
Moving on to Bro Life News, West Virginia lawmakers want all public high schoolers to see a video that details fetal development in the womb. The proposed bill mandates presenting the vivid scientific imagery that demonstrates humanity prior to abortion lectures. Sponsors argue that understanding neonatal stages better promotes informed perspectives, while critics say, no, no, you can't tell them the truth. We're trying to manipulate them. Or pretty much that's what they're saying. Anyway, apparently graphic violence to infants is less disturbing than basic biology nowadays. And in Pennsylvania last week, the state Supreme Court could be forcing taxpayers to subsidize elective abortions through insurance plans. The divisive ruling threatens conscience protections, excluding procedures from coverage. And if it stands, religious organizations and pro-life residents must fund terminations against moral objections. This would only be the beginning. On a positive note, over 130 abortion centers across America since Roe v. Wade fell last summer. Recently released data show clinics closed in over two dozen states thanks to voters embracing compassionate laws that limit an industry that thrives on murdering unborn babies. And abortion radicals are condemning this because, you know, protecting children from being needlessly murdered is somehow bad. Overseas in India, authorities disrupted a children's Bible school worship event last week, hauling the pastor and young students alike down to the police station for questioning. The intimidation aimed to scar and scare families from introducing kids to Christianity in the Hindu nationalist nation. And as we tell you so frequently here at Wretched, please make sure you're praying for all of our persecuted brothers and sisters abroad. And that's been today's Wretched News Break. More Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. of Christ. In the Bible, Jesus is given many titles that teach us about who he is and what he has done. Jesus is called the heir of all things. All things were created for Jesus. When Christ returns, all creation will be given to him. And as our mediator, he makes us co-heirs and will share all things with us. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Have you noticed there hasn't actually been any church news in church news? This is Wretched Radio. All Jimmy wants to talk about are almond Costco danishes and facial hair and sipping coffee in the church. Don't you worry. We'll get to church news, but I think this is newsworthy for the church. The subject, which on the face of it, it seems trite. I think it is far more profound And an article was sent to me on a subject we've addressed here before on Wretched Radio that caused no small amount of consternation bringing coffee into the worship service. It's not about cleanliness, about reverence. What are we doing on Sunday morning? To the individual who likes to bring in coffee, I would ask this question. Would you have a problem if I bring in a movie-sized tub of popcorn with 10W40 on multiple layers? that bother you if I just sat there eating popcorn watching the show? And you might say, well, that's different. I would say, how? Coffee's an oral distraction. Coffee says, I'm not participating fully. I'm observing. I'm not totally into this. I need that too. Okay, this is, mm, Jimmy, Hmm. you can reel me back on this one. Thus exhibiting how a brother rebukes a brother. We'll go walking through town like we do all the time, putting in our steps. And it is not uncommon to see other adults walking around town. They're strolling. 
I don't know if they're going to something. Come, they're just putting in their steps, and they carry around glasses of wine, like not not red solo cups, glasses of wine. And I always think to myself, okay, look, Christian Liberty, the wine. Okay, but you can't do that at home or at the restaurant. You gotta walking isn't enough for you. You gotta carry your hooch. Similarly, coffee in the worship center. Did I cross? Did I go too far? No, no. Why do you need that? Why? Are you bored? We need to try harder in church. We do. We need to try harder. What are we doing there? This article was sent to me January 19th is the date on it. Five ways churches can move away from casual coffee sipping culture. A brouhaha. Oh, see see what I did right there. (laughs) You know, a brouhaha about coffee was started when John Piper apparently... And said, I don't think that coffee should be in the sanctuary. It's the holiest hour of congregational worship. And coffee drinking doesn't fit with the reverence and awe discussed in Hebrews 12, 28. Let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. And his contention was, sipping coffee doesn't meet that criteria. We don't want, we're pendulum people, aren't we? We are. A buddy of mine said that this conversation happened at a, at some sort of a church meeting. They had noticed in their church that the pendulum, they were out of balance, and then they swung over and overcorrected. And an individual who happened to be an architecture said, but for one brief shining second, we had it right. <laughs> we're pendulum people. So we've got a casual coffee sipping culture, and I would say we should reject that. But want to be careful that we don't become so transcendent in our thinking that there is no imminence. Now, a good confessional Lutheran or Presbyterian would probably say, hold on, we're going to keep our high church reverence. You want your imminence? You'll get it at the Lord's table because they would believe in real presence or in, with, and under. And those of us who are rightly persuaded it's a symbolic meal— Hi, Lutheran and Presbyterian friends. We wouldn't we wouldn't say that that is an imminence issue, but we don't want to be trite, and we don't want to be small. But we we don't want to be so wooden that the humanity is lost and the imminence of Jesus disappears. So let's watch our balance on this so that at least for one brief shining second we can get this right from this article. I argued that sipping coffee isn't the heart of the matter. The heart of the matter is that people and leaders don't have a heart that resonates with reverence and awe and the holiness, the sacredness of the hour of congregational worship on Sunday morning. We've got to examine that. And we can all slip. And we should be keeping our eye on it to make adjustments as necessary. This is from Piper. They know the words, but the words don't have compelling existential content with the kind of serious joy that makes people eager for reverence and awe. They're just words. Boy, that is our challenge, isn't it? Yes, I affirm that. Can you show me where that manifests itself? I don't even know what you're talking about. To hold a theology and to not see it squirting out someplace? uh, I think it's—I think that the physical expression of our theology— 
is something that needs to be considered. And the best place to do that for clarity, to see if we're actually accomplishing that connection, is ecclesiology. It's, it's in the church. Does my church look like my theology? And if you've never given it thought, it probably doesn't, unless it just so happened to work out that way. I think there's another way. This is this is this is the I think the challenge of every age for Christians. It's tangential, but it's similar. I had dinner on Sunday night, just mm, of being together with Christians, and wow, was it a good meal! Oh, oh, we had a. I know this is going to sound weird to you if you're from up north. It was shrimp and grits. Oh, baby. Oh, it's my favorite. Oh, man. And it was bang on. It was just great. And the the couple that we were having dinner with, they were biblical counselors. They're in the trenches. We talk about biblical counseling here. They do biblical counseling at their church. And I I like to learn. And they, boy, I'll tell you, my wife, just spot on question. What's the biggest trend you see? And instead of just going, pew, pew, they both just stopped and thought about it because they, they both counsel. They're both certified biblical counselors, which you can become at biblicalcounseling.com. And, and she said something that I think is really insightful and helpful. She said selfishness, selfishness. And, and that just immediately resonated with me as we're living in an autonomous, self-saturated society. It is all about me. And we were talking about the context of counseling people, couples that are married and women predominantly that are initiating the divorce. I heard Kim Priolo say that because he um, some he's he's actually been angry before. And that's toxic. I'm not safe. I divorce thee. And it's happening a lot. And it's selfishness. And then they said probably the other big issue would be the disconnect between head and heart. That somebody will go, you know, I've heard, you know, okay, I get it. So uh, Christian marriage is supposed to be about the other and not about myself. Got it. And then they come back next week and we, we ask, and how did that show up? It didn't. There's just a disconnect. You say it, but you don't do it. And by the way, just as an aside to my aside, they were suggesting, this is an interesting thought for us, that we maybe reconsider the term biblical counseling because of the word counseling. It, it, you immediately think school counselor or a therapeutic counselor. And maybe people, we, we should come up with a more biblical name for it that gets jettisons all the baggage of when people perceive counseling. Because what do you think of when you think of counseling? You go sit there for an hour and you dump all over somebody who listens to you and says, how does that make you feel? That is not what biblical counseling is. You actually go in and you do less talking and the counselor does more to help you think through things more biblically and connect your head and your heart and to see Jesus as more magnificent when you leave than when you walked in the door. That's the goal of biblical counseling. So they're thinking the word discipleship might be better. Just call it discipleship. Because people, we all, this is a challenge for us, connecting our head and our hearts and doing it. And it shows itself and it should express itself in worship. Some people, back to our article, will leave the church because of this orientation. It's too frightening and too threatening to submit to the Bible like this. Others are hungry for it. They're going to come. If you're worried 
that the current zeitgeist is not amenable to a loftier expression of church worship? A lot of people who long for it. The second way was for pastors to make the glory of God and all that he is for us in Jesus the main reality people sense over years. As they hear you preach week in and week out, God is the primary reality. Help your people see this. Feel this. That God relates to everything in their lives all the time as the main thing. He's the main thing in their lives. That's that Christian orientation. He's everything. He's in everything. I don't care what you call your job. He is in that. And he is in you. And it is all connected to one glorious goal, his glory and the good of his people. If they do not feel the fitness of the outpouring of the cup of the fury of his wrath against sin, they'll never be amazed that they're safe. Exalt Christ. Preach about sin and then exalt the Savior, his majesty and lowliness, suffering and resurrection, and the unimaginable riches of what he purchased for us. And that purchase doesn't come in a coffee cup. This is Wretched Radio. Well, 2024 is a crucial election year. The sanctity of life is at the forefront. And while we do celebrate the overturning of Roe, we cannot ignore the surge of pro-choice voices. They are persuasive, but we can and should be more convincing. We have to stand firm, not only in our beliefs, but also in the understanding of the gospel to change hearts and minds. Pro-choice advocates rally voters with misleading arguments. And as Christians, it is our duty to counter these narratives with truth and compassion. Remember, this is not only about politics. It's about protecting the lives of the unborn. The debate has shifted to when instead of should, and now it's time to refocus this conversation. Equip your family and your church with Life is Best, a 13-lesson series that's not just powerful, but a call to action. Order your free digital download and streaming version from the Wretched Store right now. It's available for free during the month of January. You have until January 31st, and we, together, can make a difference. I would say the Tomorrow Clubs is a wonderful ministry. Kids are getting saved like crazy, not just in Eastern Europe, but also in Africa. And it's so efficient. I was just with Paul and Cindy Marty. And I asked, and it said, in, in American currency, how much does it cost to have a kid come to a Tomorrow Club four times a month? So every single week, what, what's the, what does it take to make that happen? Ready? A buck, one dollar. That's it. The kid comes, they get treats, they get materials that they learn the Bible, they memorize a buck because it's it's all volunteer driven. All those dear ones, they're volunteers. It's an amazing ministry. And if you have a heart for the lost in Eastern Europe, Africa, and you love supporting ministries that are super efficient and biblically sound, I would point you in the direction of tomorrowclub.org slash wretched, tomorrowclub.org slash wretched, and ask how many children might I be able to support per month? Hey, hey, thank you so much for listening to Wretched Radio today. Now, if you have ever clicked buy at wretched.org and picked up one of our many resources that you'll find there, thank you so much for supporting our ministry. But why stop with a single purchase? Because listen, we know that this is not true of everybody. We know everybody's not in a place in their life where they can do this. But if you are in a good place in your life right now and you could take and transform those transactions into a partnership as an ongoing monthly gospel partner, you don't realize the 
number of people you can help us reach. As an ongoing monthly gospel partner, your support does more than just keep the lights on around here and helps us to touch lives all over the world with the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so we want to thank you for prayerfully considering this partnership. You can get all of the information and all of the answers to any questions you could possibly ever have about what it would look like in your life to becoming an ongoing monthly gospel partner at wretched.org slash donate. Wretched, amazing grace, amazing gospel. Attributes of God Can God make a rock so big he cannot lift it? God is all-powerful. He created the universe and everything in it, and nothing can thwart his will. So the question of the rock is nonsensical. It does not expose a problem with God, but with the thinking of the one asking the question, and they will one day have to answer to the omnipotent God. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Speak, oh bearded one. This is Wretched Radio. Jimmy? Yes. Once again, your timing, it is impeccable. <laughs> Lee Bad, you said something during the break that's super helpful regarding the coffee in the sanctuary. We're going to move on. Don't panic. But I, I thought this was a great probing heart question. That's right. Yeah. So uh, if you are upset that your church says do not, do not bring coffee into the sanctuary, I think that gives you the biggest indication if you're there to worship God for the right reasons or not. Because if you're there for the right reason and someone says, hey, don't bring that coffee in here. To me, you're like, okay, all right, I get it, I get it. Oh, <laughs> that hurts. Yeah. Heart, heart, heart. But now, finally delivering on the promise of actual church news, Jimmy, with your facial Danish almond <laughs> croissant care, the Southern Baptist Convention, it's coming. They're going to be in Indianapolis. I do not know how that was chosen. Last year, it was in California. It's no two years ago. Two years last year was in New Orleans. Oh wow, can't keep them straight. <laughs> See, I was going to say two years ago they were in Texas, and then I think Nashville. Yeah, they were in Nashville. Regardless, I don't know how Indianapolis was chosen, but the Southern Baptists are meeting. If you happen to be a, a conservative Southern Baptist, I don't know if you have a fondness for Indianapolis. It's a lovely town. Go, please, go. Your vote is needed. If you don't show up. There are liberals inside of the Southern Baptist Convention who are more than happy to take the wheel and steer the SBC right off the cliff. Please go. If you're a messenger, get there because your vote is needed. I know it feels inconsequential. Thousands of people show up and you figure, well, the, the, the liberal side is usually quite energized by these things because they know the importance of it. We should, too. So if you are a Southern Baptist and you are a messenger and you are a biblicist, we hope you enjoy Indianapolis. That's coming up in a month or two, Jimmy, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, it's usually in June. Is it, is it that far? I th see, now I remember, I thought I read May or March. Could be. But regardless, the same issues, they are going to be on the docket again. Role of women in the church, the CRT business. The life issue is going to be discussed. Get there if you possibly can. More church news. 
<laughs> I only bring this up again because of something buried in this story whose headline reads, Church of England's first trans archdeacon. Okay. All right. So that's what the Anglican communion is up to. And this happens to be an article from msn.com that talks about this one particular individual who is now a transgendered archdeacon in the Anglican communion. Devoted, who divorced her wife, his wife in the 90s and is currently single, talked about how he got to the point of thinking that the Bible somehow aligns with being a trans archdeacon. And I found it fascinating. Get ready for this next little wave of effort to try to undermine what the Bible clearly says. And you've, you've seen these grabs before. You, you see it in different realms and in different ways. If I can point to it there, then it's okay here. So, for instance, they'll do that in the animal kingdom. Have you seen all of the stories? Penguins are gay. Frogs are gay. More than 82 species are gay. See? See it happens? It's okay. The other way that I see that grab being used is in historical data. Carefully curated, of course. But people go back in history. So from this particular article, which isn't worth the paper it's printed on, in 2018, writes this fellow who divorced his wife so that he could pretend he's a woman, I found myself in conversation with media, medievalist professor who told me about queer medieval studies. See, Jimmy, this was going on in medieval times. Transgender. So it's okay today. And what I found a little bit ironic about that, these are the very same people who think that we are the brightest bulbs in the entire history of the world and that everybody who preceded us didn't have as much wattage. They were way dimmer, if not downright darkened and stupid. But when we need it to validate our sinful decisions, then we're willing to go back and study history. How convenient. You know what I say? Let's do that. Let's study history, shall we? Let's just study the history of the church. Go ahead. We're waiting for any single church expression prior to the 21st century that would affirm that transgenderism is actually even real. And we're waiting. And we're waiting. Down to Denver. I guess over to Denver is where this would be. A pastor said that God told him to do something. So what did this pastor do? He stole $1.3 million from Christians. <laughs> and who can say that he wasn't told that? Hmm. Who can say that God didn't say that? He could justify it somehow. Oh, if, if you happen to be an individual who's a continuationist who believes that God speaks in some sort of an audible fashion or directly to you, you have a very difficult time putting the brakes on it. This guy came up with all kinds of justifications. Yes, God absolutely told me to because uh, we, we were going to do good things with it. So it was just Christians giving to Christians. And he said it was going to make these other Christians rich through this cryptocurrency scheme. Does God speak? Absolutely. In his word, through his people. Africa's Catholic hierarchy refuses same-sex blessings. Well, that's a good thing. That's a, that's a very good thing. Uh, the Pope 
defends same-sex blessings declaration, says it's misunderstood. I say if it's misunderstood, it was probably intentionally. Speaking of Roman Catholics, Martin Scorsese plans to shoot, oh, I can't wait, A Life of Jesus later this year. I wonder if he has Rob Reiner as a consultant now that they're all theological experts. Scorsese expects the film to run 80 minutes and, according to the report, will most likely be focusing on Jesus' core teachings in a way that explores the principles but doesn't proselytize. Yeah, it does. (laughs) Yes, of course it does. He's also the fellow who made The Last Temptation of Christ. Quote, I'm trying to find a new way. Danger, Will Robinson. A new way to make it more accessible and take away the negative onus of what has been associated with organized religion. That tired trope. Um, back to church news, if any don't mind. Uh, this is, oh, this is, well, okay. This is kind of church news only because they call themselves a church, but they're not. It's the Church of Scientology. This is kind of interesting. The headline says how TikTok accidentally created a Scientology heartthrob. Cults are devious, aren't they? This is a fellow named Sebastian that they focus on, who apparently is all the rage on the TikTok and he's a he's a Scientologist known in the community of Scientology as a body router. What's a body router? Typically a young, attractive staffer who is assigned to stand outside the Church of Scientology Information Center to hand out literature and invite passersby into the building to learn more about the church. Well, what else would you expect? From a cult. Do you remember the vicar in the Church of England? Oh, he called a transgender person a bloke. Well, it kind of got resolved, but now he's back in trouble again. The Church of England wants to take him to task for calling a guy who thinks he's a woman a bloke. Oof. There are some good Anglicans. By the way, we should be encouraged. I saw the number of the Methodist congregations that have left the Methodist denomination to start their concern. It's like 4,800 churches. Let that encourage you. You might not be of the Methodist stripe, but hey, they're within orthodoxy, and we should rejoice at that, shouldn't we? More. Oh, this was an interesting story from a church up in Minnesota. They had a prison ministry canceled for conflicting with the state's diversity values. They taught a class called The Quest for Authentic Manhood. And they're no longer allowed to teach it because they actually say that a man is a man. Jimmy, what kind of a crazy statement is that? You know, here's another one. You know this microphone? It's a microphone. No. Yeah, I'm telling you. Microphone. Mm. I know you can cancel me if you want to, but I'm just saying the microphone is. <laughs> the program directly conflicts with the diversity, equity, and inclusivity values of the department by defining manhood or the study of masculinity through a biblical lens of what a real man looks like. So you're out of there. We'll see how that court case settles. Don't know if you heard this. Four Alberta churches burned before Christmas. Uh-oh. Is that a trend that we need to be concerned about? Um, yeah, probably is. In the meantime, not a church, but it's the Jehovah's Witnesses. They don't have to keep time of how long they stand outside passing out stuff to get to heaven. Hey! 
What would you expect from a work-based system? Until tomorrow, we actually got church news in, Jimmy. Go serve your king.